Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Okay. I don't know how I'm tired. I haven't left the house in a month. Hold on. Let me draw up the energy for this. <clears throat> hello and hello everyone. Welcome to episode 325 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's guest is Mike. I met Mike on Instagram. He has type 1 diabetes and an interesting story. That's what got him on the show. And while you're listening to Mike, remember that his story is brought to you by advertisers like Dexcom, Omnipod, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, and Touched by Type 1. Find out more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump at myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Dig into what the Contour Next One blood glucose meter is and see if you're eligible for a free meter at contournextone.com. And of course, my absolute favorite diabetes organization, Touched by Type 1, is their name plus.org, touchedbytype1.org. I want to thank everyone for continuing to listen to the show during the coronavirus lockdown. The numbers for this show, the downloads that is, have not changed since the coronavirus has uh, has come about, but I've heard from some other people who have other podcasts that their shows are struggling. This means the world to me. Um, thank you very much. All right, some music and then Mike. I honestly didn't know where this conversation was going to go when we began having it, but Mike and I had a lot in common. Mike is an adult living with type 1 diabetes. He has specific experience growing up in a culture with diabetes. He's a young man who enjoys some similar music to me. And I like his outlook on life and what he's trying to accomplish. All that turned into a lovely hour. While you're listening to that hour, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice medical or otherwise, please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. In this little bit of time I have here, I'd like to remind you that while you're locked up at home, don't think of it as being locked up, think of it as safe at home. But anyway, while you're locked up at home, it's a perfect time to work on your blood sugars. Go back and listen to the pro tip episodes again. They begin at episode 210 to take you all of a day and a half maybe to listen and put the ideas into action. So if your blood sugars have been getting out of whack, it might be time to, you know, tighten them back down again. Uh, this is Michael. Um, some of you guys know me on Instagram as Glucose Gang Mike. Um, I'm a what am I? I'm a, uh, well, since I'm not a father, let me say I'm a son, brother, um, uncle, um, somewhat of a parent, not in the biological sense. Um, and, you know, in regards to this podcast, I am a type 1 diabetic that has had this disease for 20 years. How old are you? I'm 27. <laughs> wow, seven years old? That seems to be a popular diagnose number for people I'm talking to this week. I, I kid you not, you're the third person who said to me, oh, I was diagnosed when I was seven. Um, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a good year for diabetes, like you know when they talk about wine. Uh, but <laughs> who knows? Seven years old 20 years ago. You're 27 now. Uh, go to college? Yeah, so I graduated from the University of Michigan um, in 2017. And uh, I moved from Michigan to North Carolina, and that is currently where I reside. Did you, uh, wh where were you born? I was born and raised in uh, a place called Ypsilanti, Michigan. But I went to, uh, my family is from Ypsilanti, Michigan. So I have, I know people throughout Ann Arbor as well as Ypsilanti. And Ypsilanti is spelled funny, so people have a hard time pronouncing it. It's Y-P-S-I-L-A-N-T-I. Um, so, yeah. You just said um, it so naturally. How do, how do people mispronounce it? 
Ypsilanti, or uh, uh, they they emphasize the the yips. The yips. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have just named this episode of the podcast the yips, Mike. But we'll see where the rest of it goes. So, um, all right. So, born and raised, go to school there. What 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 took you to North Carolina? Uh, I have family down here, so I have uh, two sisters that stayed down here, and um, I wanted to get out of Michigan. The joke in Michigan is always uh, the running joke when you're a teenager is always like, oh, I, you know, when I turn 18, I'm catching the first plane out of here and I'm moving and this and that. And, um, you know, it, that was ideally my plan, but I didn't want to leave Michigan without something tangible. So I decided to get my degree first and then I uh, went ahead and left. Excellent. I mean, it's so I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, did you, so did you, this is interesting. When you moved after college, did you like have a job set up or did you just think I'm going to go to North Carolina and reset my life here with this, you know, degree and this new person that I am? No, I, I, um, I didn't have any job offers at the time. Um, I was just kind of, um, you know, jumping out of the plane with no parachute, so to speak. And, uh, I went ahead and I did it and, you know, I don't regret it. Um, things kind of fell into place, thankfully for me. But when I first got here, it was kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a car, didn't have a job. Um, so I had like a bike and I would bike around uh, Durham. Um, and, you know, eventually I got a job. And with me getting a job, I got a car. So that was great. And um, things just kind of fell into place. It's excellent. You know? How did you work out? Um medical support, you know, health insurance, getting insulin and supplies, stuff like that between school and, and getting your, getting your first job? Well, um, I had an idea. I had a, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so like a lot of people, um, I, I tried to stock up on my supplies before I went ahead and graduated and, uh, you know, made the move down to North Carolina. Um, but like a lot of people that I'm sure you've spoken to at times, I did have to ration my insulin mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that, you know, I had enough uh, if necessary. To get, yeah, you know, to get. And so it's because I guess when you're in college, I mean, I guess depending on your situation, if you're, you know, if your parents have health insurance, you can stay on their health insurance while you're in college. But the minute you're, you know, Whatever the whatever the phrasing is for you know what happens when you graduate legally to you, you're just gone then. Like they can't cover you anymore. Stuff's expensive, so you just sort of like turned into a little bit of a hoarder, held on to as much as you could, and then went went and tried your thing. And then it was a I guess a race to get a job before you ran out of insulin. <laughs> so, Absolutely, the worst Absolutely. game show ever, Mike. By the way, <laughs> hey man. <laughs> You know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I don't even think my parents knew that. But now, you know, if, once they listen to this, they'll know. They'll but, figure um, it out. You, yeah. Yeah. Would you say that, um, how often did you think about that while you were trying to get going? And, like, was it on your mind constantly? Or did you, every once in a while, open up the refrigerator and look at that insulin and think, well, maybe I'm going to have to take a job I don't want soon? Or, like, how did that impact your life? It was definitely stressful um, for someone like me, where um, I'm constantly on the go. I'm constantly somebody who is has to like I can't sit in the house and just relax. Mm-hmm. So with activity comes corrections and blood sugar drops, and you know all of those different things that affect your diabetes. So um, for me. Uh, there definitely was a bit of a rush. And in addition to all of that, I also just, you know, I liked the idea of working. Um, So there was a bit of a rush to go ahead and find a job. But thankfully, one came through. I think I got hired maybe a month after I moved down here. As I moved down here, August 2017. And then I got a job in September. Yeah, I want to say the end of September. So. It worked out. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, I have one last question about this. When you talk about like, you know, when you hear people say I have to ration my insulin because I don't have enough, what's that look like 
like nuts and bolts? Do you just aim for a higher blood sugar so you use less insulin? Or do you skip meals? Do you uh, eat low carb or no carb when you don't want to? Like, How does that kind of take shape? So for me, um, especially when I was younger, I had to develop and not develop, but I discovered different ways to somewhat maintain and also um, obviously drop my blood sugar. And if you want to raise it, you just need a bunch of sugar, right? So that was not a problem. But um, for me, it, it was more so, like you said, eating healthy. So eating less carbs, maybe like salad instead of bread. Um, it included things like cardio. Cardio really, really helped my A1C. Um, and also, man, just from my personal 20 years of experience, if I constantly drink water and I don't eat anything crazy, then my blood sugar relatively stays the same. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just exclusive to, to my body and how my hormones work, but um just constantly drinking water. Like I said, I was drinking, I'm drinking a Fiji water throughout the day. That's like my thing. Um, and that really helps to maintain and regulate my blood sugar. It's, it's, um, interesting that you said that because I had a, I sat down with a, like a 20 year old guy last night and he was looking to understand what we talk about on the podcast. And I know him personally. And so we went to dinner and sat in a restaurant and I, he sort of got the talk that I do in public, but he got it in a restaurant. And I at some point asked him, so you got this 190 blood sugar, what do you usually do? And he's a person just managing with a meter and pens, you know. And uh, he said, I'd probably drink some water. And I said, would you correct it with insulin? And it, that was a completely foreign idea to him because he's had diabetes for about seven years and no one's ever talked to him about correcting a blood sugar. He's been told, you know, to count his carbs, give himself insulin, wait three hours. And, you know, by the time that happens, you're hungry again anyway. And you start the process all over again. But he had never considered the idea of, of pushing that number down with insulin. But immediately he said, I would drink water. And, you know, and then if it doesn't move, probably work out. And I thought, huh, well, that's a, I mean, I know it works, but uh, I've never heard anybody say that as like their go-to idea. And then just now you said the same thing. So kind of took me by surprise for a second. All right. So seven years old, Mike, when you're diagnosed then, do you have any real recollection of that? It's a long time ago. Oh my gosh. God, are you, are you calling me old? <laughs> no, I'm just saying 20 years is a long time ago. You're by the way, I'm going to turn. What is today's date? Is today like the 11th, the 10th, in, in two days, I, I turned 48. So I have 20 years on your 20 years, so I'm not calling you old, uh, but but I'm just saying that 20 years is a long time ago, because if you ask me something that happened to me when I'm 28, I'm pretty sure I don't remember, and and I was an adult then, so I'm wondering, just do you have recollection of being seven and being diagnosed, and what that was like, if you do? I have, um, yeah, to answer your question, I have brief, like, glimpses and flashes, um, I remember, Oh, it's a funny story, and I'm I'm gonna break it down for you. So, I was on a cruise ship with my family, and there is, uh, including my parents, I have four brothers and sisters. So there's seven of us, right, on this cruise ship, mm -hmm. and we're all having a good time. Um, everybody's, you know, celebrating. I think it was my brother, my older brother's fifteenth birthday, and. Um, and we're just having a good time. And I ate something at dinner and I just had to use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And I used the bathroom and then I felt like I had to use the bathroom again. <laughs> and so I used the bathroom again and I did it. I felt the, the sensation again. So I'm constantly using the bathroom and uh, I'm, I'm really, I just remember being very, very thirsty and asking my mom for a lot of water and it never quenching my thirst. And um, my mom, before the end of the trip, she was like, I think something's wrong. We need to take you to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, um, because my brother, ironically, <laughs> my brother's birthday just passed. His birthday was in J July 7th. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, so we, we got on the cruise. So I want to say I was, after we got off the cruise, I want to say I went to the doctor in August. That's when they diagnosed me and they were like, he has diabetes. And my mom was like totally blown away. And my dad too. Yeah. They were both just like, how is that possible? Like he's seven years old. He's healthy. He's not, you know, uh, obese or overweight. And um, my... Uh, my endo at the time was like, you know, there's different types of diabetes and he has what's known as juvenile diabetes is what they called it back then. Yeah. Type one is what they call it now. And, um, well, I'm happy that, to hear, uh, like, I'm happy to hear that you went to a doctor off the boat because in my mind you were like seeing that love boat doctor in those short shorts with the glasses on. And I thought, what could he possibly know about <laughs> type one? The other thought I had when you said you were on a cruise was, were you just cruising around Lake Michigan or did you fly somewhere and then go in the ocean? <laughs> I'm assuming mm. it was an ocean cruise. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, you know, those super famous Michigan cruise lines. And uh, <laughs> I realize you can fly somewhere and get on a cruise. It just struck me when you said it. I had a picture of you on a cruise boat as a child, like rolling around the, the Lake Michigan over and over again. But um, so it's interesting because it just kind of hit you that your brother's birthday is this month. So this is uh, July is probably the anniversary of when you figured it out. And August is, I guess, the anniversary of when someone told you, you know, for sure that you had yeah. it. My, my diversary, as they like to say on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I don't know the actual date. Um, I'd have to ask my parents that. I don't know if they even remember, but I know that it was like fall because we were getting ready to go back to school and yeah. the leaves were changing and different things. Um, I also remember them telling me, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I remember uh, going to like the U of M hospital and them, you know, hospitalizing me of course. And uh, you know, telling me what the disease was and different things. And I feel like it was maybe the second or the third day and they came into my bedroom because, you know, they check your blood sugar like every two or three hours when you're recently diagnosed. Right. And they came into my room and the nurse was like, okay, it's time to take your shot. And I remember just being like, no, mm -hmm. like, no. And she was like, Michael, come on. Like we have to, this is, you know what I mean? We have to get, and I was like, no. Yeah. And I remember very vividly, I remember this crystal clear, like, fighting the nurse and the doctors had to run, like come in, like something out of a movie almost where you're like, you see this little seven year old kid who doesn't want to accept the fact that he has a, a chronic illness. I'm stressed out because I'm like, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah, like your blood sugars all over the place too. Life. What'd you say? I said, and your blood sugars are all over the place too. Like there's a lot impacting your, your behavior besides just the fact that you're seven and scared out of your mind. Some lady's trying to jab you with a needle and, you know, you're, I mean, it, I can't wrap my head around it completely because Arden was two. So we didn't really have to explain that much to her. Do you know what I mean? Like we did, obviously we talked her through what was happening, but she didn't cognitively think to herself, oh, I have diabetes now. And, you know, like it just, it's different when they're, when you're younger, but when you're younger, but at an age where you can understand some, but not all of it, it just has to be. I mean, it has to be the most frightening thing that's ever happened to you, I would imagine. You know? No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I watched one time, my, my son was, I don't know, eight, nine years old, getting a flu shot. And luckily, out of the corner of my eye, I saw what was going on. And this is not like a violent kid. Like, I had to reach up and grab his hand. Because when the nurse came at him, he was going to defend himself. It was it was really just a, a like a gut like reaction to him. He's like, if you're going to try to stab me with that, I'm going to try to stop you. And so, you know, you just, you know, I, I'm with you, man. I would have, I would have, uh, I would have maybe thrown some hands too at the lady. <laughs> <laughs> Had to let her know. Yeah, exactly. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. <laughs> you go find another Mark because Mike's not getting jabbed with whatever that is. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know what your sick game is, honey, but <laughs> Anyway, so, but, but I mean, 20 years ago, you must have done injections for a long time, right? Oh man, that was like, yeah. So like, I'm a, like a, a dinosaur at this point when it comes to like 
how to give insulin and get insulin. So yeah, we were doing, uh, like you said, this, I remember the syringes with the orange needle caps mm-hmm. and the vials and shaking up the vials and you have to draw up the insulin with the syringe and the syringe has the tick marks on it. Um, that was the era when I was diagnosed. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I remember the big machines and, uh, when you check your blood sugar, um, you have like the big machines and you have to, uh, put the blood onto the, I'm drawing a blanket. (laughs) (laughs) I had to check my blood sugar on like a huge, not a huge machine, but a relatively large machine. And it um, needed a lot of, it needed a lot of your blood too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It wasn't now, it wasn't like now where, you know what I mean? You don't, some, some people don't have to check their blood sugar because they have the CGMs. Right. But like I, I don't have one yet. Right. So right now, I yeah. I mean the the amount of blood is like significantly smaller, less painful. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the leaps in technology are, are stunning, and especially with you know with, with what we're talking about here, the amount of blood size that you need to to fill that test strip has gone from you know a, a gallon basically to like basically you know there's some the one my daughter's using now she's in the uh, the contour next one and you barely even like bump the thing into the blood and it's like I'm working and and even if you if you don't get enough it doesn't ruin the test strip you just touch it again and get a little more whereas there's some if you put blood on but it didn't wasn't enough to read like that would ruin the strip there and and the meter you're talking about uh my friend Mike had one when we were 16 it was a long time ago and it looked like it was like literally the size of a brick and, you know, like you couldn't travel with it. You couldn't take it anywhere. It just sat in your house. And that's when you tested your blood sugar, if you were near it and you thought to do it. Uh, it's a, just a different world. Um, yeah, I, you know, and when you're seven and somebody's like, look, we got to open a vein, you know, so that we could get, right. enough, get enough blood out of here. Uh, it's got to be incredibly off-putting. I know that Arden just got her A1C done by finger stick the other day. And, you know, that needs a large sample. And she was put off by that. She's like, well, afterwards, she's like, well, that's a lot of blood that woman took. And it's just, it's her, her perspective is different now. Absolutely. And even like, so to touch back on that too. So even like being seven and like, can you imagine having like as a child having died? So like I used to, (laughs) I used to carry my like insulin, not my insulin, but like my needles, my syringes. Um, my little pricker things. I used to carry all of those in, in a like, um, like the little pencil box. Do you remember the plastic sure. pencil boxes, like with the green, the different colored tops? I do. <laughs> I used to. So you know that was that was life. That's a slick yeah. look, Mike. I'd like to see a photo of you <laughs> carrying around your pencil box with your. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it might be your version of Napoleon Dynamite right there, because that's really <laughs> that. I'm, I'm assuming that. How the ladies like that, by the way? <laughs> Were you? Uh... Oh, I'm, I was. Look, I was totally shy uh, when I first got diagnosed. Like I remember, um, my teacher. I remember my teacher saying it was time to check my blood sugar at one point. And I told her like I want to go in the hallway yeah. and check my blood sugar. Because I just didn't want everybody to know, and I also didn't want to feel alienated from my classmates. You know what I mean? And even though, because kids won't say anything, you know what I mean? If you're, they'll just stare at you. Hey, they'll just quietly then, judge you, know, they, you, yeah, and then form a cabal, yeah, exactly. uh, form a cabal later where they hate you. <laughs> exactly. And then later on, it's like they'll ask you. But for me, I didn't want any type of extra attention on me. Um, so I had to take extra steps. Like I said, checking my blood sugar in the hallway. You're just trying to blend when you're a kid. You know, you really are just trying to be wallpaper. You, you know, you're just like, don't let me be too different. And even think of all, think of all the crazy things that you avoid when you're a child. My wife is tall. She loves being tall. But when she was in middle school, she said being a tall girl was a problem because you were taller than boys. And so boys didn't talk to you. And, you know, like, it, and so she's growing up not liking that she's tall, which is something that's amazing for her. Um, you know, like, just somebody's too athletic, not athletic enough, 
too artsy not artsy like you know what i mean like you never you're just trying to be vanilla right you're just like like <laughs> i hope no one looks at me right and and uh it and you know what too mike and i i i don't know how to i never know how to say something like this to a person i've never met before because in my personal life this wouldn't be a big deal i don't think it's a big deal here and i feel like you're going to handle this well so um and i've now built it up so much that when i say it, people are going to be like that was not a big deal why did scott do that but you're African American, right? So is your your yeah, your right. right? And that's what I would have said if I knew. You. I would have been like, Mike, you're a black guy, aren't you? And and so and so in, did that community have different opinions about diabetes? And because I see it and hear about it a lot, like sometimes you get more, I don't know, like Southern roots, and the then diabetes is thought of in a different way. And um, I hear a lot, I don't know if you heard it, but I, I interviewed Anthony Anderson, uh, you know, a number of months ago now, and he was talking about his father having diabetes, and he was talking about him having type 2 back then, but that his father had just resolved himself to the fact that basically he had the sugar, and his life was going to be shorter, and that was all he could do about it, like the, that he couldn't really do anything about it. And I see that from different cultures running this podcast over and over again, there are some places in the country or ethnic backgrounds or something. They all treat it like a little differently. Some people stigmatize it. Some people embrace it. It's really, so I was wondering if you, if you had anything like that, just, you know, coming from a black community. All right, a little treat. I'm going to do all of the ads without stopping. And as you heard at the beginning of the show, I'm tired. So this is going to go, I mean, you got to guess not well. The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor is one of my favorite pieces of diabetes technology. And I can say in all honesty that without it, the success that we have with my daughter Arden's blood sugars and her A1Cs and her variability and her stability, I don't think it would be possible. I can say that with comfort because prior to the Dexcom CGM, we were not accomplishing the things that were accomplished now. See me just have like a little flub there. I, I kind of swallowed a word. It's okay. I'm going to keep going. So here's what you need to do. You go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box and get started today with the G6 continuous glucose monitor. Why? You're going to ask me why? It's fine. I'll tell you. Because you'll be able to see loved ones' blood sugars remotely on an Android or iPhone, Right? Is their blood sugar going up? Is it going down? How fast is it moving? What's the number? It's because the Dexcom is FDA approved for zero finger stick treatments. That's not bad, right? And what else? Dexcom, Dexcom, Dexcom. Ooh, you can, I personally, we work on pre-bolusing and temp basaling and stopping high blood sugars and cutting off lows and all kinds of cool stuff with the data that comes back from Dexcom. Now, when we do stuff with our Arden's insulin, like I'm just talking about, that happens through Arden's Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. Now, the coolest thing about Omnipod is that they'll give you a free, no obligation demo. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? You go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, fill in a tiny bit of information about yourself, and Omnipod will send you out a pump to try on and wear. It's non-functioning, so you can't you know hurt yourself with it, but you can figure out what it's like to live with the Omnipod. So just imagine yourself uh, sitting on the sofa, staring at a wall, sitting in the kitchen, staring at a wall, sitting in your bedroom, staring at a wall, and you'll get to see what it's like to wear the Omnipod while you're staring at that wall, right? COVID-19 got you in the house. Good time to work on your blood sugars. Great time to work on your diabetes technology with Dexcom and Omnipod. Now, once in a while, you're going to need to test your blood sugar with a meter. And for those of you who don't have the Dexcom, this is happening all day long. Why not get great information back, like the information that comes from the Contour Next One blood glucose meter? It is the most accurate and easy to use meter that my daughter has ever had, and she's had a number of them over the years. At ContourNextOne.com, you can learn more about the meter, about the app that you can use with it if you'd like, and you can find out if you're eligible for a free, no obligation Damn, that was Omnipod. You'll find out if you, at contournextone.com, you'll find out if you're eligible for a free meter. You can actually fill in some information and find out. I told you, I'm not editing and I'm not stopping. Here we go. They used to be dancing for diabetes, but now they're touched by type 1. 
same organization. They just want you to understand they're not just about dancing. They realized maybe people think we're just about dancing, but they're not. They do so much more. And you can find out about what they're doing. Find out about, that isn't right. And you can find out more about what they're doing at touchedbytype1.com. No, .org. Touchedbytype1.org. I'm, I'm almost out of music. I'm freaking out. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Contournext1.com. Touchedbytype1.org. Please, during these tough times, support the sponsors of the show. Let them know you're coming from here. Use my links. We got to make it through this Corona thing together, people. And I mean, you know, health-wise, obviously, but I'm talking about got to keep the podcast strong because once we all go back to work and you jump in your cars again and walking around the grocery store, bopping out to your, to your, to your podcast, this podcast needs to still be, uh, you know what I mean, viable. So uh, hit up those sponsors. <sighs> I'm out of breath. It was terrible. I don't usually do them like that. Like I do one and then I'll stop and think about it for a second. I'm like, you know what I'm going to say about Omnipod? I'm like, boom, and I do that. And sometimes, anyway, I'm tired. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's not the end of the show. It's the end of the ads. Here comes Mike. He's going to answer a question that I just asked a moment ago. I'll even re-ask it just so you know where we're at. If you had anything like that, just, you know, coming from a black community. Oh my God, totally. Um, so, uh, where do I start with this? Um, yeah, man. I mean, essentially to answer your question, it is hard specifically having diabetes and being black because, um, so much of the, what, what a lot of people would call like Southern food or soul food, um, not the healthiest for you. You know what I mean? And so if you're Thanksgiving and, you know, you're a, a nine-year-old kid and even today, even today, and your mom cooks candy yams, collard greens, um, you know, turkey, which is protein, which is fine, uh, cranberry sauce for the, the uh, you know, mashed potato or not the mashed potato, for the stuffing, um, mac and cheese. I mean, all of that is very, very, it, it definitely plays a, a role in your diabetes, you know what I mean, depending yeah. on your nationality. It's, it was very hard uh, growing up, as well as, you know what I mean, just measuring how much insulin to take and what to eat, what not to eat. Um, I have a friend also who I went to college with, I won't say his name, uh, but he actually told me that he had type 1 diabetes. And the reason why he told me was because he saw me in class taking uh, my inhalable insulin one day. And he pulled me aside and he was like, hey, I got it too. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, so, you know, what's your A1C? Do you test? And he was like, no. He was like, I don't. He was just like, essentially like, you know, it is what it is. And I don't have, I'm not going to, you know, check my blood sugar and this and that. So that was disheartening. Um, and to touch on your other point, it's, uh, it is, it's hard, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people, uh, do feel hopeless. Like you stated, like a lot of people do feel, um, that it, you know, this is what it is. This is my life. And I have to take pills or I have to take shots and I'm going to die at 50. And I've accepted that. I'm just one of those people who, you know, unfortunately for <laughs> unfortunately for my diabetes, I'm a fighter. Yeah, you're not going out like um, that, right? So no, no, I, and I've always been like that. So I, I just, I, you know, once I accepted that I had it, I buckled in. You know what I mean? And I, I made adjustments to my life, and I'm still constantly trying to improve. I'm still trying to better myself and and speak to different people. And get their advice and you know what I mean? Just, but I, I couldn't, I can't go out. I can't just let diabetes take me over. Yeah. No, uh, I, which I, me give, give me, a, give me a second on that because, um, it's just, it's, it's sad when you hear somebody say like, this is my lot in life and that's the end of it. And I think sometimes that becomes generational, right? Like some things, 
you don't learn from your parents as much as your parents got a little bit from their parents who got a little bit from their parents. And eventually it just becomes a feeling. And it's sort of like anything else. Like you can get generational wealth, you can have generational poverty, you could have a generational malaise about taking care of your, you know, your health. There's, there's like these ideas that build over time. I'll tell you what I see um, recently is there's a spike in type two diabetes in the Indian population. And, but their diets are so carby with, you know, rice and things like that. And when I, when I speak to people from that culture privately, it's funny how they say, look, I know this isn't good for me, but, and then this is the the sentence that throws me off. This is how we eat. Like it's a rule. You you know what I mean? Like, Hey, I'm Indian. I have to eat like this. And you know, our food is like this. And I said to a friend, I was like, you know, there's other food, right? Like you could just you don't have to do that. You don't have to soak baked beans in brown sugar and honey before you eat them. You might be, could just eat the beans, Mike. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so I, I get that generationally it builds and people start thinking of like, it's not Christmas without this, or it's not my birthday without that. But man, you know, you don't get Christmas in your birthday if you're not alive. So, you know, and, and absolutely. And not even to throw anybody else under the bus, but to touch on that too. So like it, sometimes, you know, even your family members will be like, Oh, come on, you can have some of this cake or, you know what I mean? Or you yes. can, you know, and you know where that comes from. Insulin and, right. But you know where that where? comes from, Mike? It, it It's, they feel bad for you. And then, then they skip over. This is my opinion, but I think when someone says, come on, you can do it. What they mean is we're all eating cake and you're making me uncomfortable. And I feel bad that you can't have some, so why don't we all just ignore for a second that your situation and you eat the cake so that we can all feel like this is normal and happy. And I don't mean to say that if you have type one, you can't have cake. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, um, you know, listen, if it's a cake soaked in, you know, liqueur, soaked in this, soaked in that, you just look at it and go, you know what? I'm just going to stick with what I got here because this is just, I don't know how to bolus for this, you know, then, then I get that. Um, if you, if you don't want to eat it, but I really do think that's what happens it, that when you break from the norm in a, in a group, you become the problem, even though that's not true. You, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it turns into a pack mentality. Like there's more people there who think you should eat the cake than think you shouldn't. And so suddenly you're wrong for not eating it. And that's a weird, you know, human nature thing, but it could pressure a person into doing something they don't want to do. And you just sound like you're the one who goes, you know what? No, thank you. Um, and, and I don't mind being a little different. How did you go from the kid who wanted to take his pencil box in the hall to somebody who didn't mind if people saw? Um, it, it got easier the older I got. I'll say that, you know what I mean? Because yeah. as you elevate, um, as far as schooling goes and different things, like once I got to college, it was just kind of like, I see these people every now and then I don't see them all the time. If they have questions, they can ask me. Um, I also think that having a community that embraced diabetes, specifically I'm referring to the Instagram community um, of hashtag T1D or type one diabetes um, that were, you know, they would post inspirational stuff and really rally behind people who are going through the same thing that you are. It really encourages you and motivates you to, you know what I mean? Put the word out there. I do, yeah. No, I, I see it constantly, the the power of sameness, I guess, or community, you know, whatever you want to call it, just looking up and seeing somebody who's got your struggle. It's huge. You, you know, like it, it really is impactful. I always think of this podcast sort of first and foremost about like management, but I I get so many notes from people who are like, yeah, I manage fine. And what you do is cool. And I incorporate some of it. But for me, I listen to this podcast. I hear Mike on there. Mike's the only person with type one diabetes I've ever heard speak out loud. That isn't me. And, and it, um, it's interesting how it can be so many different things for so many different people. Like, I feel like it's one thing. Somebody sees it another way. Somebody else sees another way. Instagram's the same way. Like, you don't know, you put a picture up because you have in the back of your head, this is going to impact somebody like this. You have no idea how it's really going to help them. It's, um, it's really fantastic actually. Right. And that's, that's something that we need to highlight as well too. I feel like, because oftentimes, and I'm not condoning this either, 
social media is looked at as a negative thing, which at times it can be. But again, in my mind, it's a tool. So you can use it to, you know what I mean, post pictures of you doing stuff and and you putting people down or sharing terrible news about different events going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Or you can use it to inspire. You can use it to motivate. You can use it to, to, you know what I mean, touch someone who you might not have been able to previously just based on geographic location. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And listen, there's always going to be, you know, it's easy to say there's always going to be people who are negative and there's always going to be people that are positive, but I've seen somebody who's negative, be a positive person. I've seen a positive person be a negative person. I think people are just at different spots in their life. They use the relief that they have. I usually think of people who are, you know, kind of being kind of shit online as just there's somebody having a bad day. You know what I mean? Now I got to bleep yeah. out that because I can't curse. And and like, I, you know, I don't think this is a person. And don't get me wrong. I've seen people who just appear to be, a, you know, a tornado of, of unpleasantness and hate and, and everything. But 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 it's um, it's not everybody. And to your point about it being a tool, Mike, look, if I build a house with a hammer that's amazing. If I go next door and kill my neighbor with it, that hammer's not so great anymore. And so you can do, you can decide, you can pick that hammer up and do what you want to do with it. You can use your Instagram for, you know, for good, or you can use it to try to make people feel bad. I think sometimes when people try to make people feel bad, they're really just trying to make themselves feel better. And, um, I mean, I've been in, I've been in this space a really long time and I've had people come at me oddly, you know, there's, there, there are, uh, groups of people who don't like that I talk about just, you know, listen, just use the amount of insulin you need. Um, you know, and so those people every once in a while flare up and they're like, you're killing people by telling them they can eat whatever they want. I'm like, um, I said, I didn't tell anybody to eat anything. I just told them, understand how to use your insulin. Like, I don't care what you do with that knowledge once you have it, but I think you should understand how insulin works. And what I have found in those scenarios is there's people aren't like, I, I've heard people talk about them and call them angry and, you know, like mob mentality and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, you don't understand what they're really doing. They got to a spot in their life with diabetes where they were just, they couldn't find something that worked and they finally did. They found this thing that worked for them. And you have to understand that what they believe in their heart they're doing right now is saving you and other people. They think they're saying, look, this works. My A1C is amazing now. I don't have spikes like this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you should pay attention to this. Moreover, this guy over here who's talking about be bold with insulin, he's killing you. You, you know what I mean? Like it's it's their opinion. And And don't get me – if they find my podcast before they find that, they might be a person who's like, hey, just eat whatever you want if you use the right amount of insulin. You don't know. They found something that saved them. And they feel, they feel, you know, everybody who's listening right now knows what I'm trying to say that I can't get the words out on. It's like you feel like you have the ability to save someone. And it feels important to do, you know. So I don't even take those people as angry. I, I honestly take them as passionate Um and they get to the point where they're like, look, you're not listening to me. You have to listen to me. This is really important for you. So I don't know. But I hear you. I wish – I'd like to see a little more flowers and sunshine, Mike, myself, you know. Um, I, think there's, I think there's a way to, uh, to, to, to put your message out there in a positive way. And uh, I love anybody who does it. Is that what you try to do with your Instagram? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you – you know what I mean? You said all that. Um, so – as far as me, like diabetes, I looked at my diabetes and um, I really thought to myself, like a lot of times people hear this word and they, it's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. There's a negative spin on it. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, a lot of my life is kind of based around turning negatives into positives. So even amongst, um, with, you know, even being black to a certain degree, certain things, have a negative connotation around being black, but my whole thing is trying to change that and spin it, which is why I started glucose gang, (laughs) (laughs) which is, um, which is honestly, it's a, it's a brand. It's a brand that I started. Um, it's something that I've been trying to do for, I had the concept for like a year, two years, Mm -hmm. and I just never really did anything with it. Um, but it's a brand and it's just, you know, obviously it's raising awareness about type one diabetes, but, um, 
I'll just read you the back of what I have here on the card. So for me, it's just about redefining what is negative and creating something positive. And I put like, we are, you know, fighting against the odds, even when they are not in our favor. And that could be for anything. Obviously, this is specifically related to or related to diabetes and type one, um, because we are against the odds and, you know, People, oh, my limb fell off, or I have numbness in my toes. And we are fighting against the odds, but we're not giving up. Yeah. And that's really what Glucose Gang stands for. Um, and so, you know, I think that staying motivated and doing different things. Um, speaking of tools, let me ask you, have you heard of a book called Bright Spots in Landmines? Oh, Adam Brown. Yeah. You know, Adam's so been on, have, Adam's been on a couple of times on the podcast. Oh my God. Yeah. I, if you talk to him next time, if you could please just thank him for me because I read this book and it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it really did make a difference. Just some of the techniques, you know what I mean? The, the, uh, cheese seed pudding and you know what I mean? Yeah. Exercising and bolusing. I mean, this, this guy's great. Adam is really a good guy. Um, I also have like, because I feel like diabetes affects my psyche sometimes. Yeah. So I also have a friend who got me what's known as like an awesome journal. And essentially it's just a book where, you know, it's blank and you write why you're awesome. Just whenever you feel like it, whenever, if you feel down, if you feel like you're having, you're going to start a great day, if you, just whenever, if you're, mm -hmm. you're feeling like, you need to get something off of your chest. This awesome journal has really helped me as well, like psychologically with the diabetes and just encouraging myself and really trying to, um, you know, get into the right mind frame. Is because it, oftentimes with diabetes, it affects not only our body, but like also our psyche. Oh, no, I think a lot. Yeah, I, I think it does a lot. I see your, so that book is like, He's like your own hype man. It's just you can you can hype yourself in that book. Just be like, just a, yeah. No, I mean, there's so much science behind that idea of just saying something positive, moving in a positive direction, believing in something even when it, it doesn't seem like it's true. You, you know, there's all different ways of saying it. I think um, I think AA says fake it till you make it. Right? You know, just. Um, you know, you, you pull out a book and be like, Mike, here are the things that are great about you. Like, let me just remind myself all the things that I am or that I, that I've done, the things that I dream about, or I want to be. And you know, it's pretty much the equivalent of your guy standing in the corner, grabbing you by the shoulders and yelling, get in there and kill him. You can do it. You know, and you're just, I always, I always say that football must be the easiest like sport to like, uh, coach. Because really, in the end, after you've gone over the X and the O's, your job is just to whip everyone into a murderous rage and send them out onto a field, right? And so, um, and so that they can, you know, fling their bodies into things that, if they were thinking about it, they'd go, you know, I don't really want to do that because I think I'm going to hurt my head. Uh, but you know, you can you can jack people up to a spot where they believe in themselves, and then they actually can perform at a level that might not be, you, you know, what their norm is, and so. When you're doing that, what leads you to that journal? Because I think you're, you know, you and anyone else living with type one are uniquely qualified to answer the question. Like what? And so my real specific question is day after day, living with type one, making your boluses, you know, trying to keep your blood sugar in a spot, thinking about your foods, worrying about is my, you know, is my, is my second uncle, you know, pissed at me for not eating this cake, all that stuff going on. How does it start to impact you as the days build on each other? Like, how do you get to the point where you're like, I need this journal right now? It's kind of a deep question. Um, I'm sorry to throw it on you, but, but I'm, I'm looking for like, you know what I mean? Like, how does it feel? Like, is it, is, does it feel like you're carrying a box and someone puts another box on top of it and that just keeps happening to the point where you think I can't hold all this or does it hit you in a wash? Do you feel like you're doing great? And then all of a sudden you don't like, do you, can you put it into words, I guess? I would say, yeah. Um, it's similar to what you said. It's like, you know, it comes in waves. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, sometimes in life you'll be doing great. Everything will be fine. It's, you know, birds and champagne and, and 
you know, family's good, everything is great. And then the next minute, you know what I mean? Oh, something happened at work. Oh, my girlfriend broke up with me. Oh, my blood sugar's out of whack now because my hormones are a mess. Like, <laughs> it, it comes in waves. Right. And um, it's just, the book really, the, the awesome journal really is a reminder um, to, you know what I mean? Keep going. Just to, 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 you know, lock in and understand that these things happen and even the good times will pass and then they'll be bad, but then they'll also be good again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, one of my heroes, one of the people that I look up to the, not the most, but one of the top three people that I look up to is um, a guy named Nipsey Hussle. He recently passed. I'm sure you heard back in uh, March, the end of March. And um, his thing was one of his models was just like, you know, again, life is, is, uh, it's a marathon, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you're, there's going to be some bumps, there's going to be some bruises, there's going to be some slips and falls, there's going to be ankle pain, there's, but there's also going to be victory. There's also going to be, you know, um, uh, winning and being surrounded by your family. There's, there's life comes, this is how life is. And nothing you know, lasts forever. Yeah, I was just gonna say nothing lasts forever. It's just, you, you know, it's it's. Um, I don't know why some people learn it in a way that they're able to endure the bad times and get back to the good times. I don't know if you have to be brought up in it to know it, or if you had to have a good role model that that had it happen. I, I grew up um, completely broke. Like we didn't have you know two cents, and um, I. I I just saw a mo my mom just never gave up. Like it, no matter how bad anything looked, I never saw her give up. And, and when she got overwhelmed, she'd cry and then she'd do it again. You, you know what I mean? Like that, that was my, that's what I got to see. And when I became an adult and, and I got into the world and started, you know, working and having money and then not having it and getting a bill, you didn't think you could pay and things like that. I, I eventually said to myself, you know, you have these worries and then inevitably you always find a way out of them. Like always. So why, why when it's happening, see it as this horrible thing, like this is going to kill me. Like, why would I expect this thing is going to kill me? It hasn't killed me the last 50 times. You, you know what I mean? Like at what point do I say to myself, this is the part where it's hard. I need to do this, this, and this to get back to the part where it's not. And, and so I just sort of adopted that idea, like that, you know, I know this is going to work out because traditionally and historically it works out. So I'm going to stop worrying about it. Now that might not be easy for everybody. Some people have, you know, real like anxiety and depression issues that would, would maybe stop them from being able to make that leap. But for everyone else, you're alive, man. You wake up every day. Stop acting like it's not going to happen. You, you know what I mean? Like it is, the sun's going to come up all the, all the, isms that you've ever heard in your life are true. Um, and you know, instead of wallowing in something that feels terrible, just look forward to the part where it'll be over and you can, you know, you can move on. It just makes sense to me. I, I love that you said that. And, and to your, by the way, your, to your question, I actually do know Nipsey. <laughs> My son has a wide range of, uh, music interests and, um, he particularly enjoys rap music on the way to and from his baseball games. So I, I now have a wide um, uh, exposure to uh, music I probably would not have heard at age 48, to be perfectly honest with you. And I really do like some of it. I actually, I have to tell you, my kid was off at college, you know, and I missed him, you know, in his first semester. And I'm out in the car by myself and I put some Meek Mill on so I could feel like he was there. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> I really wish, awesome. yeah, I really wish it was like warm outside so that the windows would have been down and the people could have looked over to me and went, look at that old white guy listening to Meek. And so <laughs> but it gives you that feeling, you know what I mean? It gives you that motivation. And it felt like he was there. Like it really did. It felt like we were driving to a baseball game and it made me feel better that I'd see him again soon. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think I'd, uh, 
I don't know, man. Like if you looked at my Apple Music, you'd be like, "This is an eclectic uh, mishmash." Of- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it, but isn't it funny too? Not, not to get too far off the path, but to talk about community. That my son's best friend is black, and that's where some of this music was introduced to him. And so, if my son doesn't meet this boy. And they don't become great friends. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't see this music. It doesn't expand what he thinks of as music. He probably gets, you know, stuck in whatever his friends are listening to. Doesn't get outside of it. When he gets outside of it, I listen to it. I get outside of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some lyrics still, Mike, that stop me in my tracks. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting better at it. I sometimes this will make you laugh. I'll be like. Hey, just now, when he said that thing about this, the G6, what is that exactly? And my kid hates it when I break down rap lyrics. He's like, stop it. You're ruining it. And I was like, I know. I'm just screwing with you. I just want to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just real quick. When he talks about his woman's woman's thing, like exactly what is he trying to get at? And my kid looks at me like, do not ruin this for me, man. Do not make me think about what that guy is saying. And I was like, all right, I hear you. <laughs> So I'm screwing with him a little bit, but, but anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, he brought something into my life I didn't know about. And I think that on Instagram with this podcast, any other number of ways where people are trying to reach out beyond where they are to people who they may never meet in real life and say, look, I know your, you know, I know your baked beans have brown sugar on them. Come on over here where they don't. Um, you, you know, like check this out. Like, I know that you're scared of this and you don't like, you know, inject in public, but I think you should, I think you should, because maybe one day you'll meet a guy at college who goes, Hell yeah, you have diabetes. Me too. And then you can ask him how you handling yourself. And maybe you put it into his head. Like, man, I should be paying closer attention to this. You, you know, like there's, we're always touching people like that if we let ourselves, but you know, if you don't let yourself reach to people, then then you're just in your little bubble. You're not helping them. And, and conversely, they can't help you. That's the thing, man. We're all conduits. You know what I mean? And we're all, you know, not to get spiritual and all that stuff, but we're all energy and we're all, um, you know, having a human experience. So why not encourage somebody or help somebody or even just put something in somebody's ear? Never know how it can affect them or what it can do. You really don't, you uh, listen, I, I can't tell you most of the feedback I get about the podcast is overwhelmingly positive, which I really appreciate. But sometimes people find the podcast at bad moments and it strikes them really wrong. And then a couple of them are, you know, prone to sending an email. that's like, I listen to your stupid podcast and I've had diabetes forever and that's not how it works. And you know, this is not right and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then six months later, you get another note from them. They're like, well, I listened again, and I did try that pre-bolusing thing, and that really did work. And my A1C did come down. And, you know, and then this is it goes on and on and on. And then three months later, the next note is like, I love the podcast so much. And I'm like, okay, I see we're on a little journey together here. And, you know, and, and but, but if you don't – so, Mike, I guess my point is is that you can't always expect – a big smiling thank you back from somebody when you reach out. Sometimes you just have to be able to say to yourself, you know, what I said didn't reach that person this time. Maybe it will one day. Maybe it won't. I've done what I can do and feel good about that and move on. And, you know, to bring it kind of back around to what I said earlier, I'm sure when low carb diet people are attacking me, they feel the same way. It hurts by the way, if you're listening guys, but I can take it. And you you know, like, like, but, but, I'm just trying to do what you're trying to do. You know what I mean? Like I found something that works and I'm just trying to share it with people. What they do with it after that, I don't, I, I, I'm not in control of, you know, uh, but at least it's there. And I mean, you said it a second ago, like Mike, I'm the least like religious person you'll ever meet, but I don't even know if I think about spirituality to be honest with you, but I am driven every day by what I've seen this podcast do. And I, I try really hard every day to move it to someone else, whether it's by recording one, editing one, putting it up, having a private conversation with somebody. I can't even show if I, I, I tell people, I talk to people privately and all that does is make more people come. 
I'm telling you, I'm going to have to get one of those like deli tickets where you take a number. You, you know what I mean? Like pretty soon, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to live my life. There's times like I'm in bed. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, this woman's just got a question about pre-bomb. Just she's like, it's midnight. I'm like, well, I mean, she seems upset, you know? And like, it's, um, it's hard to stop doing. Like once you've had a good impact on somebody, it's difficult to just flip the switch and not, not do it again. You know what I mean? Absolutely right, Scott. So, Mike, are you trying to move? So, when you when you say you're, tell me your hashtag again. And uh, so, you can find me on Instagram at glucose b l u c o s gang b a n g Mike. Um, and then I'm on Facebook too, but I'm more so on Instagram. Um, but you can, if anybody has any diabetes related questions or you know. Anything, anything really, man. I'm on Instagram a whole lot. Um, I'm trying to get Glucose Gang as a brand up and off the ground. So, Scott, my friend, I will send you a t-shirt. Uh, you will definitely be in the next round. And I'll also send one uh, for your daughter as well. I just need you guys' the sizes. Oh, you're very nice. So you guys you. can join the gang. And, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Cool. I, I hope people reach out and, you know, you can broaden what you're doing and, and reach more people with, you know, you being positive and sharing your story. It's all just incredibly important. Um, and not enough people stick with it, by the way. I'm talking to everybody out there who has this. Like, everybody comes out of the shoot. They're like, I've got an Instagram. I'm doing this. I'm like, yeah, go get them. And then, you know, when they don't talk to a million people in the first month, they're like, what a waste of time. I'm like, no, it's not. You Like, you know, you really you know, for everyone out there who thinks that they have something to, to offer someone else, please know that in 2007, my blog reached 110 clicks a month. That was 110 clicks a month. Um, I guarantee you that while Mike and I were talking here, a thousand people downloaded the podcast. It just, it's, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and so it doesn't all happen at once. You know, you have to like, you have to have something real to say. You have to stick with it. You have to say it when you think no one's listening because they're listening. They're just not getting back to you and, and you have to believe in it. And if one day you say to yourself, wow, this really didn't work right on. Like there's no shame in walking away from it. But if you see it building, even if it's building slower than you want it to, if it means something to you, stick with it because one day it could be the. I mean, one day it could be the most popular diabetes podcast online. You know what I mean? And I didn't intend that when I started. So you never know where things go. So I want to just encourage everybody, if you're if you're in Mike's mind, you know, mindset of helping people, keep going. Be positive. Keep going. Don't give up. I, I, I will say this, too, at the end, Mike. There's recently, um, there's an article recently where a writer said something kind of terrible about testing in public. And so by the time people hear this, it will happen months and months and months ago. Um, in the old school sort of diabetes community, that would have been met with a lot of positive explanation. Hey, no, this is why you're uh, you know, off on this. Let me explain this to you. Let me explain that to you. In 2019, this person got kind of jumped a little bit, like, you know, internet jumped. And I have yeah. to admit, like I, I heard it like a kind of an OG, you know, diabetes blogger say, I'm disappointed that this is how the community responded to this. This isn't how we used to do this. And I, I have to admit, I agreed a little bit. Like there's, I get that it's upsetting, but just lashing out at people is not the way. Like you, you know, it's easy to say you should educate, you know, and, and that'll elevate. And I think that's right. And I get that sometimes it's angering, but trust me, I've seen this for, you know, I'm coming up on a decade and a half here with this. Yelling back at somebody's, it's not going to do anything. Like it just, it falls on deaf ears. So um, if you just keep putting good information out there, hopefully more and more people will pick it up and less people will say something stupid, you know? Absolutely. And I think too, I mean, it's, you know, how many times have you heard this? It's not what you say. It's how you say it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a huge believer. I definitely believe that. So, you know what I mean? They could have said what they said. It's just, maybe they could have, they should have crafted it a different way. And, you know, again, I'm not anybody to judge anybody. I'm sure I've said some off the wall things to some people before, but <laughs> Me too. just putting that out there. No, hey, if you have another minute, it's so funny you said that because 
because just last night, my son was with me when I was talking to somebody about diabetes, somebody who's got no idea about the things we talk about on this podcast, who's just living meter and, mm. you know, and, and, uh, meter and pen. And so we sat and explained all this stuff and we, you know, we're driving home and my son said, how do you resist the urge not to say to him, like, just get the glucose monitor. And like, like, you know what I mean? Uh, he's like, he's like, you know, yeah. right. And I was like, well, I said, that's people don't hear that. Like, well, like, you know, like, and nobody needs me telling them what to do. Like my best bet here is to give them an honest assessment of what I think the technology does. And they're going to need to decide. Like, you can't just thrust things on people. But my kid's 19. He's like, just tell them to do it. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work like that, you know? And, and, and I said, I know it makes sense, right? Like, like, we have all this data over all these years. We know what it does. You know, we're sitting there with, you know, a couple of days removed from my daughter's last A1C that was like five and a half. And I can tell, and I can tell you it's, be, it's, it's because of the data. Like, yeah, no, you're very nice. Thank you. Um, but it's because of the data. It's like, I can make good decisions based on the data. And this person that we're talking to doesn't have that data back. And, and therefore it's difficult for them. They could afford it. They have insurance. They wouldn't mind wearing it. And they're just understandably averse to just trying something new. And, um, and I think that's, you know, it's a good lesson for everybody out there who's trying to help somebody else is that all you can really do is be, you know, uh, you put up an example and hopefully somebody will see it. It's no different than parenting or anything else in life. You can't, you know, you can't make people do things they're not ready for. You can't make people do things they don't understand or they're scared of. The best you can do is help them be comfortable, show them why it's important, and hopefully they'll come to it, you know? And if they don't, you did your best. That's all. So I, I love what you're doing, Mike. I, um, I really appreciate that you're out there. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. Don't forget to check out Mike on Instagram at glucosegangmike. Thank you so much to Dexcom, Omnipod, Touched by Type 1, and the Contour Next 1 Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well, getting along as best you can with your family as you're living so uh, close in quarters. I'm going to try to take a nap. But first... Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, contournext1.com, and touchedbytype1.org. Check them out if you get a chance.